You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 209, covering In the Cards and Call to Arms. Friends, it's the end of Season 5. Yep. And holy crap. You know, the phrase, this is the best weekend, this is the best week of Star Trek we've ever gotten, gets tossed around a lot in this show. I tend to try to find interesting ways to introduce the show or to to say, okay, this week is great, this week, you know, and so, yeah, I have said that a lot. But really, this uh, this is maybe the best single pairing of episodes we've ever had. Yep. This is just, and and it's a good mix of light and dark like of fairly inconsequential and hugely consequential like it's just it's everything the show does well of wacky shenanigans and uh yeah the opposite of that yeah and plus all that stuff i've been promising all this time everyone's like and and there are a few people who've actually directly confronted me on twitter like i thought you said all this cool stuff was gonna happen like like, well well, it did okay shut up well mm -hmm. I have been saying, like, that this show hits the ground running and that, it, you know, all that stuff ramps up early on. I, I was kind of wrong about that. But yeah. but it is it is here now, and whoa. Yeah. Um, We, like, we just finished, like, before the show, we always give a, a second look at the episodes. And, uh, you know, because we've already seen them once, we're, we, we tend to chat amongst ourselves. But we were mostly pretty silent during the last half of the second one. That's because it's so cool. And, you know, you're sitting a hundred miles away in another country, and I can still tell your jaws on the floor. Uh-huh. Just, oh, oh, oh. So good. So, yeah. But before we before we cover the big epic happenings, uh-huh. let's talk about the more whimsical one, which is yours, which is called In the Cards. In the Cards. So things are looking bad on DS9. Starfleet ships are going missing, thanks to the Dominion presence in the Alpha Quadrant. War feels like it's hours away. And if that weren't bad enough, fucking Kai Wynn is visiting the station again. God damn it. Clearly, Captain Sisko needs a little cheering up, and Cadet Nog and professional layabout, I mean writer Jake, are on the case. A derelict ship from the flea market system was recently found, and Quark's auctioning off the various crap inside. And among that crap is a rare Willie Mays rookie card. I guess he was a good baseball guy? I don't know, I only bought trading cards with Spider-Man on them. Looks like No J Industries is back in business. Unfortunately, they're outbidded by a crazy person who is trying to cure death by keeping his cells amused. This is code for I am building a gigantic wank booth to live in. Now, what he needs with a trading card, or indeed the Bajoran Mandala, or giant treasure chest it came in, are never answered. I don't normally say this, but that's probably for the best. Anyway, he offers to trade the card to the guys in exchange for the last of the junk he needs. This results in a mad dash around the station as as the guys trade favors for supplies, including recalibrating some techno garbage, writing a speech for Kira, and bear napping. And it's all for naught when Dr. Crazy Pants vanishes. Meanwhile, Wei Yun and a complement of Jem'Hadar troops have arrived to discuss a non-aggression pact with Kai Wen. Showing all the diplomacy she is famous for, she instantly begs Sisko for advice. He tells her to do what she does best, stall until somebody dies and the problem is solved. Meanwhile, Wei Yun kidnaps Jake and Nog, wanting to know what they've been talking to everyone on the station about. They tell him the truth, and he pretty much lets them go instantly. The story is way too insane to make up. The guys are reunited with their card, and Dr. Crazy Pants befriends Wei Yun, which is weirdly sweet. Afterwards, they present the card to Sisko, who really digs it. I guess that guy was really into baseball or something? Yeah, it hasn't really come up before. Yeah, it's so, weird. Uh, kind of like your dislike of Kai Wynn. What? Like, that's from out of nowhere. Yeah, what is that about? I know, right? 
I, I should say Dr. Crazy Pants is actually the name that I gave to Gaius Baltar when I was watching uh, Battlestar Galactica. Not that I invented the name Dr. Crazy Pants, I'm sure. No, of course not. That was invented back in 1973 by a well-respected physicist. Right. What's his name? Uh, Jesus Jones. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> now name three. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um... Also, the uh, I, we we talked about this, and you said "fuck it," I'm leaving it in because it's funny, and you're right. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fact the, the guy didn't want the baseball card; he bought a lot full of crap. That yeah, the no, it, it turns out in. there was a bunch of other crap in that chest, including some sort of techno e thing he probably needed for his wank booth. Yeah, because he needed a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and and that was among them. And I've done that before, where on eBay someone is just selling here is a pile of my junk. Yep, and not not their junk is in their penis, but you know. Did you, think, how many penises have you bought, Al? You can't sell those on eBay. Anymore. You, you see how I uh, avoided that. Mm -hmm. It's not that I haven't. It's just that I haven't on eBay. Mm -hmm. There's a whole separate other, like, uh, uh, you know, they, they sell coolers full of organs. Yeah. And things. P-Bay. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, it's G-Bay for genitals. Ah! Like, it's not just penises. Come on. You see how we workshop that, folks? That's how we write scripts. Yes, that's called punch up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've done that before where I bought a, a bunch of crap on eBay and it's like I just want the one thing and the rest of it is completely useless to me. Mm -hmm. And because of that, sometimes people don't see the one valuable thing in the pile of junk and so, you know, they buy it. I think I think that happens a lot at like uh like estate sales where uh somebody dies and they don't have a will and they just have to sell off the stuff yeah sometimes you just buy a box of stuff and there's one good thing in there and i think that's what happened that's supposed to be the deal with that uh what is that that show where they buy out uh storage lockers right which i didn't even know was a thing until they referenced it in arrested development mm. i try to ignore that stuff yeah ugh. in any case this episode was a lot of fun it was like it felt a lot like the earlier Jake and Nog uh, try to go into business together. The the No J industry. Yeah, No J Industries. Right. I want. I almost said Vandalay Industries. <laughs> That's fine too. Yes, but um, and, and, and you want to be my latex? I was just gonna salesman. say, yeah, Nog, you want to be my latex salesman? <laughs> you don't understand, Captain. My father is a terrible Ferengi. I've heard this speech before, Cadet. We decided that that's also how. Uh, uh, Rom ended up with Lita. His, he's the George Costanza of DS9, and he just decided to do the opposite of everything, and it worked out yep. for him. Just, just like George this, Costanza. This was supposed to be the summer of, of Rom. Brother. Serenity now! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this is this is very similar to that previous one, but different enough that it didn't feel like they were covering the same ground exactly. Yeah. The characters are much more well-rounded, and it, it goes in a different direction, and they do a great job of sort of deflating, like, yeah, everyone's super tense because the war's about to start. Mm -hmm. And as a byproduct of what these kids are doing mm -hmm. to get what they need, they've made everyone happy. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's got such a nice ending. Yeah. As so we sort of... like, everyone was super tense, and now, for some reason, everyone's had a really nice favor done for them, and they're all just a little less on edge. It's yeah, nice. we sort of cycle through everyone on the cast, except uh, except for uh, Dax, because if uh, if Sarah Lofton is going to be in an episode, we have to lose somebody. Are you implying that Terry Farrell and Sarah Lofton are the same person? I've never seen them in the same room together. Yes, you have. No. Many times. Nah, I don't think so. He had a crush on her in that one episode. Nah. All right. They just Eddie Murphy'd it? Yeah. Like, as our friend Albert is fond of saying, like Eddie Murphy in that movie Norbit. 
I wish I could claim credit for that reference, but that's all Albert. Um, it's a great description of a fine Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, but yeah, this is essentially my good thing is it's such a uniquely DS9 episode because it is light and comedic, but it's sort of horrible and dark at the same time. Yeah. Like there is that war thing going on and every everyone's just waiting to, to die. And, like, yeah, this episode wouldn't work without like all that war tension going on, you know? Right. And the, uh, the Memory Alpha pointed out the usual formula for the show and for all the sort of modern Star Trek shows is the A plot is the serious thing, the B plot is the lighter thing, and this is the the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. There was a B plot of Kai Win and uh, Wei Yun talking about a non-aggression pact. Mm-hmm. And it's, so there is some really dark stuff going on, but all this great character-driven, you know, it's not even overtly comedy, but it is, it's light and just fun and nice. Yeah. And, and I really like it. It's like, we've talked about this before on DS9, having them do something super important in the background of a more fun episode. Yeah. You know, like, that's been kind of the deal since DS9 started, like. Well, and it's a trick that you see more now with shows being more serialized. Like, mm-hmm. you can still do a mostly done-in-one, lighthearted episode and advance the plot in the background because you only have 13 episodes to move things forward or whatever, you know, yeah. like. And that this show was doing that, but back when not a lot of shows were, mm-hmm. which is cool. But I, I also like, and I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens, but going forward into the next two seasons, Nog and Jake are pulled into some pretty more serious adult type stuff. This is sort of like their last hurrah. The as, last hurrah of Noj Industries, yeah. Yeah. As, as, like That's what I would have called this episode. The last childhood adventure kind of thing. Like the last, you know, like hanging out one last time and doing fun, goofy shit. Yep. I mean, as we will see in the next episode, the war is here. And then things got worse. Well, I mean, the war the war is happening. Yeah. Like, it, it has started as of the next episode. War, so, the war were officially declared. Yeah, so Nog, being in Starfleet, obviously is going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll touch on what happens with Jake in a minute. Yeah. But it's, they're, pretty, it's they're, awesome. They're not going to be doing, you know, like, goofy, like... There's not going to be as much hanging out on the balcony anymore. Right. Because the balcony is going to get exploded. Right. It's it's So it's nice just on that front, too, just to see sort of one, you know... Like, it feels like the writers knew where things are going. Like, these characters are so nice together. We're not going to have another chance to do this. Let's just do one more fun yep. Jake and Nog episode, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your good thing? Uh, like I said, this one's a delight, but if I had to pick one thing, which I do because that's how this show works... Uh-huh. Uh, that... The, Doctor, I forget his last his first it's name. Geiger. Doctor Geiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Geiger Geiger. Yeah, That's his full name. <laughs> Geiger Geiger. No, it's Geiger Geiger, and you use a Geiger counter on his name, and it it reads two two Geigers. <laughs> he is the weird kind of person that you very rarely meet on Star Trek, but meet all the time in real life. Mm-hmm. He's this bizarre flat little man who is completely devoted to this one thing in his life. Yep. It's it's like a hyper-religious person, except religion is at least, whether or not we agree with it, is an established thing that other people believe in. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of fervor, but for something really specific that nobody else believes but you. No, when he launches into his, uh, uh, do you, tell me something, do you want to die? 
Of course you don't. And why should you? Because, and he goes into this long rehearsed speech, and you know it's rehearsed because he does it again with Wayun later. That's the thing. The first time it feels sort of natural and, and kind of earnest and like, here's my dream, guys. Mm -hmm. You you just stumbled on my on my thing, so I'm going to tell you my dream. But this has all been, like, you know he's practiced it in a mirror. You know, he wants that to be his infomercial for this thing. Yeah, basically. Like, he just, hi, I'm Dr. Geiger. Let me ask you something. Have Do you, you want, want to die? Want to, yeah. No one just, does. Yeah. And that's just his half-hour pitch on late-night Federation TV. Yeah. It's like, it, rec it reminds me of when I used to work at the comic store, and I got I got trapped by a guy for half an hour who spent all this time telling me about how if you change your birth name on your birth certificate to all lowercase letters, the government can't touch you or something. I don't know. I'm not entirely clear on the details. Well, I think any of us who have worked retail in sort of areas where maybe sketchy people hang out or any of us who have ridden like mass transit or, mm -hmm. you know, like you're always going to run into people like this. Yeah. Like it's like you you've met someone like this. Uh huh. But and like uh, I say, sometimes it's just straight up religion. And that's that's just boring because we've all heard that. Mm -hmm. Like, have you let Jesus in your life? But every now and then you get a real crackpot that's like. Yep about some weirdly specific thing. And the scene where he's explaining it to the guys, and at first they're like, you're making some good points. Well, that the, the audience is meant to feel that way too, I think. Yeah. The, the way his speech is written is sensible, then a little dubious, and then completely fucking nuts. Yep. It's, it's a really good progression into, like, okay, this guy's clearly crazy. Right? Yep. But at least and he's harmless crazy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I was worried that one of the things he wanted, one of the ingredients he needed was going to be something highly illegal yeah. or whatever, but it never turned out to be, and that's good. Yeah, no, it's just stuff that's, you know, not easy to get. Right. And apparently the original draft involved him wanting to resurrect his dead wife, and it wasn't working, and they couldn't figure out why it wasn't working, and it's because we were sympathetic with him. Yeah. And the key to the to the comedy here is realizing this guy is chasing a, a nearly impossible dream that makes no sense. Yep. That's why it's funny, because these guys are running their asses off trying to get this baseball card from this guy who is just... He might as well just flush this stuff out the airlock, because whatever he's doing isn't going to work. Yeah. Although but, I like the idea of coming back to this guy in, like, the books or whatever. And it's just like, oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, it turned out he lived forever. Yep. It worked. Yep. But then he got run over by a bus. Yeah. Because he did mention that, like, you know, you would, like, you would never die of natural causes. No. But you never still... get old, we'll never die, but we might get hit by a bus. But there is a giant war about to happen, <laughs> so maybe maybe you'll die in that. Because <laughs> Jem'Hadar phasers, yeah, you're, it doesn't protect you from that. I would like to believe that uh, Wayun Wei makes a point. Whatever happens, this man does not die. <laughs> I like... I like Wei Yun's line, like, I'm I'm interested in what you have to say. As a as a um a victim of creative genetics. Uh-huh. As the seventh Wei Yun or whatever he is. Uh-huh. Seventh Wei Yun of a seventh Wei Yun. Uh-huh. No, it is it is. Please tell up. me how you're planning to live forever, because uh that's of a special interest to me for some reason. And just just to uh clarify what he's about, his his plot is you get old, you age because your cells get bored, mm -hmm. and his machine entertains your cells so that they will be not bored and they won't want to die. Jake comes in with a uh, delivery of uh, crap, and we get to watch uh, Geiger crawl out of his tube and go, hmm, still a little bored after the fifth hour. Yeah. Need some work. 
the thing is, he says you're supposed to go in this tube eight hours every day. Uh-huh. And I like to think this is not a replacement for sleep. You have to no. go in there eight hours a day and you still have to sleep six to eight hours a day. Yep. So you're only left with about a third of a day. But you get to live forever. Yeah. So, I mean, you spend most of it unconscious or in this thing. I mean, this is one of the times where the Bajoran uh, 26-hour calendar really works in his favor. I suppose that's... That's a couple extra hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he is a delight. The guy they get to play him was fun. Yep. And apparently in everything, I look like when I see guest stars that we particularly like, I, I try to see, oh, have I seen this guy before? And apparently I have. He uh-huh. was in, he's been in Next Gen. He will be in Voyager, uh, X-Files, Battlestar Galactica, like mm-hmm. all kinds of shows we watch. Yep. So that was kind of cool. Oh, and uh, Mad Men most recently. I, mm-hmm. I actually did recognize him for Mad Men. He does look very Mad Men-y. He, I mean, he's older, obviously, because this was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but he's and, got that vibe to him where he'd look good in a suit. And... Yeah, well, it's... um. I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, Don Draper sleeps around. That's not a spoiler. And he's sleeping with this dude's wife. Ah. He's kind of an older guy who, you know, can't please his wife. And so Don Draper swoops in and takes his wife. I'll save it for the spoiler section of the show. When we start spoiling other TV shows. Start spoiling Mad Men. (laughs) All right. Does anyone have anything to say about Mad Men this week? All right. Good. (laughs) Uh, My bad thing Mm. was difficult. I but, bet. But I know mine was. There's a bit. Okay. His, this dude's name is Dr. Geiger. The whole reason. I thought it was a reference to H.R. Geiger, who, which we now, now know is pronounced H.R. Geiger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for hey, really, Geiger. Hey, really, Geiger. But at the time, I thought that was why. It's because it rhymes with tiger and because they have to chase a stuffed bear and because they make an expression. They, they, uh, Jake mentions an expression about something about a lion. So Which is say, very, it's like... Yeah, very forced in there. There's a, a lot of work goes into this terrible joke. And lions and geigers and bears, oh my. It's just, ugh. it's, it's ugh. And I feel like there must be like classic movie night on DS9. Yeah. Because this happens again in the next episode, which actually will be my bad thing in the next episode too. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is like in that movie, Lions and Tigers and Bears. So, yeah, that that was not great. Yeah, yeah I like, the writers were actually quite proud of themselves for that. I love the idea of classic movie night on DS9, you know? Everyone yep. gathers around to watch Casablanca and Wizard of Oz in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, aliens watch. Wow, that's a very typical human right there. <laughs> Morn's like, I need to start acting more like that guy. Oh, hi, then, doggy. Then I'll fit in with these people. <laughs> Morn, you're my favorite customer. <laughs> I don't want to think about the room. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. it's, well, it's true. I have breast cancer. I'll never mention it again. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing? Um, I have kind of a real problem with... Uh, so, at one point... Um, one of the things the guys have to do is get uh, Dr. Bashir's bear. Kukula. Uh, Kukulaka? Oh, yeah, it might be Kukulaka. It's a fucking name. I was just thinking of Kukulakan from uh, from the animated series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any- <laughs> anyway, apparently back when they were dating, or possibly not, Lita borrowed uh, Dr. Bashir's stuffed bear mm-hmm. and just kept him. Because she's one of those people. She's one of those girlfriends, like, spoils of war. Uh-huh. Ugh. God damn it. Yeah, so, uh, so, he's um, get it back. Nog fucking 
sneaks well hang on hang on hang on before you go into that i just briefly want to talk about the scene where he reveals this oh god yes he's so sort of flat and unhappy and they're like and and nog's pitch to everyone has been what would you rather be doing now and then he and jake offer to make that happen like Mm -hmm. it's a sweet little like chief o'brien would rather be kayaking on the holodeck and breaking his arm so they're like okay let's let's help you make that weird wish happen Mm -hmm. guess you want to break your arm what whatever but uh yeah Bashir's thing is he you know nothing like wouldn't you rather be anywhere no I'm doing some important research but he's very flat it better be on that fucking planet that uh is dying that he's been trying to save by the way uh no because very soon they're not gonna be able to get back through the wormhole uh-huh. so no he's probably not he's probably just abandoned that entirely now well yeah um I, I won't rest until I find a cure oh well time to rest <laughs> but what's he, that he, uh, Chief O'Brien wants to play darts. I'm on my way. But he's very flat in this scene, which I like, and he's clearly upset about something. And they're like, "What, what do you want? Anything? Anything would make you happy." Kukulaka. What? I want. I want it back. And it's it's just fantastic. It's it's really great. And uh, then so yeah, and then Nog goes on his quest. Sorry, please. I, uh, I want my stuffed teddy bear, Bobo. Right. Bobo. Bobo. No. Uh, Sheriff Lobo. Bring back Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Nog basically breaks into Lita's quarters through, yeah, a, initially... through a tiny Nog, Nog-sized vent in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, room. Mm-hmm. Unfolding himself like that creepy dude from the X-Files who could get through vents. <laughs> and then swipes her bear. Um, Nog... This is going to be your stepmom next week. Well, in fairness, the the wedding initially was planned for six weeks from now, and they kind of rush things, mm. you know. But uh, <laughs> I mean, not not like they have been all along rushing things. Yeah. Here know? here's the here's the thought. Ask her. Yeah. No, he's. You don't even have to. I, like I know part of the deal is like no one wants to. They don't want to tell anyone why they're doing this stuff. Right. Because they don't want to spoil the surprise. Well, for... once Dax finds out, then oh, Cisco yeah. knows, and then yeah. Yeah. No. They say early in this episode, you can't keep a secret on this station. No, you yeah. can't, because Dax lives here. Right. But, um, you know, maybe just try asking first, instead of uh, sneaking into her quarters while she's asleep, and then replacing the bear with a bag of sand. In fairness, watching him avoid the poison darts and, and run away from the uh, from the boulder was pretty good. That was pretty good, yeah. No, it's 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 a little extra creepy because she's she's sleeping and she's holding this thing tight to her very ample chest, mm-hmm. and he reaches. Basically, the bear is between her breasts. Yes, and he just reaches in and grabs it, and it's like that's that's a little creepy there, Nog. Thanks, mom. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, touching people when they're asleep is creepy, regardless of where you're touching them. But yeah. that made it extra creepy. He also blows in her ear. Yeah, does he? Yeah, he does. He, oh, uh, right to to, to get her to. To I guess scratch her ear or whatever, so she'll let right. go of the bear. And ears to these people, yeah. you know, a little more than just ears. Is, is, yeah, yeah. Ugh. So a little, little creepy. Just a touch. Yep. So no, no bad nog. Yeah, don't don't do that. But overall, I mean, it was it was a bit difficult to find, you know, bad things because this episode is so like it's, it hits all it's the right wonderful. notes. Yep. Although uh, one one of my candidates for bad thing was quirk. Uh, at the very beginning, uh, Nog and Jake are sitting in Quark's drinking root beer because that's the only human drink they have, mm-hmm. uh, except for beer, I think. Um, 
and there quark's like hey i've got this auction of rare antiquities why don't you two barely men mm-hmm. guys who were legally children uh, 6 months ago why don't who have no money why don't you come to this auction like what why would you what it's like quark come on i i can understand uh nog maybe having a little bit of cash squirrel aside but jake jake is a writer in the federation he could not have less money the thing is, Nog ha- only has what Quark paid him, mm-hmm. which is almost nothing. Yep. And now he's he's in a life that will not pay him. Mm-hmm. So even if he's managed to save some, which we find out he has, it's not going to be much because all he has is what, what Quark managed to, you know, give away. Yeah. Which Quark does not do easily. I do like Quark's delivery of, oh, you don't keep it under your bed, do you, Nog? Yeah. And Nog's like, no. It, it, no. No. Yeah. Anymore. But uh, apart from that, I mean, why would you invite two barely not children anymore well, to an expensive auction? Well, I better get the plot rolling. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. But on the other hand, who cares? Mm-hmm. I that's, like, um... Wish I could remember where that uh, thought was going. Completely well, gone. Jake has a speech about how we don't have money because we're, you know... We're better than that. We're yeah. humans. We we better ourselves. And apparently that was Ron Moore making fun of his own speech that he gave to Picard in mm-hmm. First Contact, <laughs> which I quite liked. I, I'm i a little pissed off at Jake just assuming that Nog is going to pay for this. I, he does have a really nice, like, there's a scene where he's trying to guilt Nog into helping him. Yep. Like, this will make my dad happy, and that's what we want, right? We both want to make my dad happy. But he does it in a way that is very, very Ben. Yeah. Like... I love when they do that. After when they write, all my dad has done for you. But you could totally see Cisco using this on someone else. Oh, yeah. After and all I've done for you over the years, and you a, just want to sit on it. Well, it's, fine. It's a, nice, it's a nice bit of writing and performing to show that, that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I really, I just, I, li- I like when they do that. Yep. Because they never make Jake too much like his dad. He's very much a different man. But, mm-hmm. but every now and then he's got, oh, yeah. This is the guy who, you know, raised him. He's going to be a bit like him. Yep. And I, just, I like that a lot. Uh, also, there's that great painting on black velvet. Oh, man. Yeah. I love that. It's just a stupid fucking reveal as they go to the next thing in the auction. Mm-hmm. And it's just this terrible painting of a matador bullfighting. Yep. <clears throat> Which, first of all, looks like a painting that if my grandparents didn't own it in the 80s, one of their friends did. I'm pretty sure my dad, who was my stepdad, because we moved in with him when I was like six, had that hanging when we moved in, and mm-hmm. it came down very quickly. <laughs> Mom's like, oh, no, no, no. And apparently he sold it to Morn. Yep. <laughs> Which will come up again later. I we get, uh, we get to see the contents of Morn's quarters in a, in a future episode, and that's in there. I just, I think it's a great sight gag that you see uh, as, the, as the auction's letting out, you see everyone leaving, and Morn is lovingly clutching that painting as he walks yep. away. I feel like they've done a good job of, like, we don't know anything about Morn apart from what other people say about him. Yep. And they've they've really painted an interesting picture. Like, what the hell is this guy? Yeah, he's a very strange man. And this is just an extra detail to throw in that, which is like, um, hmm, all right. (laughs) Interesting fellow. Uh-huh. Oh, back to the back to the uh, Bashir uh, scene, real quick. Uh-huh. Uh When when they're asking him, you know, hey, can we can we get this fluid, whatever? He says. You're not going to drink that, are you? <laughs> it's a very, like, two 19-year-olds or whatever are asking me for some strange liquid. 
they're college age, they're stupid. Ugh. That's what kids do, right? You, you're not going <sighs> to... This isn't some stupid bet to see who can chug all six liters of it, right? I mean, if it was, would we tell you? Fair yeah. enough. But, but oh, fair know, enough. I'll see you in a few hours. But the way he says it, yeah, is really. Ugh, you're not gonna drink it, are you? <laughs> I love it. Um, there, there's a another little uh, just sight gag I like. Um, during the auction, you got Quark doing the whole uh, auctioneer spiel thing, right? I would watch a whole episode of that, by the way. He's yeah. so good at that. Yep. But uh, he basically calls out to uh, some, what was he, a bullion? There was a bullion, yeah. Yeah. He calls out to a bullion and is like, sold to this guy in, in the nice shoes. Oh, right, the blue the blue man in the nice shoes. The blue shoes. man in the nice shoes. You get a shot at Nog just sort of glancing over and just, they're nice shoes. <laughs> His thought process is like, you know, my uncle's got pretty good fashion sense. If he says they're good shoes, they're probably good shoes. Those are really nice shoes. And then, of course, in the next scene, Nog says something about shoes. Mm -hmm. I got five bars of Latin. I'm just floating around. Man, I can afford some nice shoes. I mean, the shoes they give you in Starfleet, they're terrible, man. I've never had a Ferengi in here before. I don't know what we need for shoes. I can get a really quality pair of Nog, Nog, shoes that focus. nice. That just... <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah. And then, and then I, I got to say, at the very end, I w it was just super touching. Just when, when Cisco gets the baseball card. And he just, he's, he's so happy. Yep. And Jake's so happy and they hug. I just, I love that relationship so much. Yep. It's such a great ending. It's really, really nice to see after the dressing down they got. Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, because in an episode like this, if you're keeping a secret from someone, inevitably they're going to find out and you're put in a position where you can't tell them what's going on. Yeah, so at one point, um, the guys oh, notice uh, the Bajoran who was also bidding on the, uh, on the uh, chest talking to Kai Wynn. Well, he's a Vedic, so he might very well do that. Yes. Which leads Jake to, obviously, assume that uh, Kai Wynn has kidnapped uh, Dr. Geiger in an attempt to get the uh, Bajoran mandala that was in the chest back. And, of course, they go and call her on it. Mm -hmm. This does not end well for anyone. Well, in fairness... A, a ju the most junior possible rank in Starfleet and the captain's son mm -hmm. have just accused the leader of an entire planet mm -hmm. of of wrongdoing. That's uh, you know, with I, war uh, with yeah. war happening tomorrow. Yeah, with her making a decision as to whether she's going to side with the Federation or the enemy in the forthcoming war. Mm -hmm. Now is maybe not the time to get on her bad side. Yeah. A woman who, let's be clear, will destroy any enemy, mm -hmm. whether they're an actual enemy or just a perceived enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this doesn't Not... this doesn't come up uh, much in the series, but that little piece of land that No J Industries owned, um, something unfortunate happened to it. Yeah, it fell into the sea, which uh -huh. is weird because it was landlocked by about five hundred <laughs> miles all around, but somehow fell into the sea. Yeah. Find but, me find me more information on No J Industries. But then that leads to, you know, uh, Cisco just screaming at them both. Oh man, that's a that's a brutal scene. And the thing is like, you know, it's bad enough Jake's got his dad yelling at him, but because Nog is a cadet, yeah. He's got the whole you're confined to quarters, dismissed. And Jake's like, Ugh, I don't work now, for you." Now now there's that whole layer of military bullshit I never had to listen to before. Yep. And now that I'm hanging, you know, hanging with you as a cadet, now I got to listen to that too. Ugh. I don't think you can confine me to quarters anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't even live with you. Yeah, I could do what I want. Of course, 
he's his landlord. It's true. Plus, he can confine anyone on the station to quarters, you know, because, like, for safety risks or whatever. Yeah, it's like, uh, maybe don't poke that uh, particular beehive, uh, Jake. Yeah, or that lion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe don't poke that lion with a Geiger. Uh, bears, oh my. Uh, it's uh, not a great line. No. At all. I can see why it's your bad thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. What about you? Uh, I think that's everything I wanted to touch on. This was a great episode. Yes, it was. Uh, surpassed only by the next one. Uh-huh. Uh, but let's hear your quote first. What do you got? Uh, so this is a great fucking line. I'm here to meet a representative of the Dominion. To what end? Uh, I don't know. This meeting is being held at their request. You disapprove? I'm concerned. The Dominion is notorious for its political intrigue. I have some experience in that area as well. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, as you see those two walking down the, the corridor, you they are the same. Mm -hmm. They're both not, like, you can't believe a word out of either of them. They're both smiling. Yeah. They're both got horrible, like, secret agendas, but, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. <sighs> uh, there, there's actually another bit where uh, uh, he's like, we're, we're very similar, you and I, and... She reaches over and feels his ear like they do for his yep. paw. And says, no. No. No, we're nothing alike. No, um, I'm sorry. You actually are basically... No, you know what? Uh, you're not in that Wayun is likable. Well, that's true. But also, I feel like, you know, a soul or wh whatever, she, you know, whatever scientific explanation for a soul that she's looking for, Wayun doesn't have it. No. Well, because... no, he's a clone. Right, exactly. Also, he's souls a... don't exist, Al. Well, that's what I said. Scientific <laughs> explanation. Gods don't exist either, and yet the prophets do. Mm -hmm. There's there's probably some electrochemical thing that, you know, they call a soul that we just call a, you know, whatever. Uh -huh. Oh, I got one last thing. Yes? Just before we go. Uh, uh, so, at one point, uh, after uh, Geiger disappears, uh, Jake and Nog go to report it to Odo and have to explain the entire episode to oh, him. Oh, God. Including what Geiger was up to, uh, what did he call it? The soulless. Uh... Oh, the soulless minions of orthodoxy. <laughs> Which is great. He keeps saying that phrase, and we're we're listening to it for half an hour. And by the time Jake and Nog are saying it to to Odo, it sounds natural because yeah. we just keep hearing it over and over again. Oh, yeah, of course, the soulless minions of orthodoxy. And now we have someone from the outside, like what? <laughs> just Nog pipe. Maybe he was captured by the soulless minions of orthodoxy, and Odo quite rightly replies. What? Yeah. Like, you there, can see, uh, very briefly, he's like, I'll check my compute. Wait a minute. There, it's just, as as Jake's discussing it, and he's, it sort of dawns on him that he sounds like a goddamn maniac. Yep. And the look on Odo's face is perfect. It absolutely is. And it's a combination of him being the most confused person on the planet and him having Odo face. Yep. And it's just, it's magical. It truly, truly is. Yeah. I love it. It's it's a great scene. It's a great like they've been knee deep in the in the madness for so long that they you know they're lost in it. Uh huh. So when you have an outsider come in and point out how ridiculous things have gotten, what in God's name are you talking about? Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh right, this is crazy. We uh. knew that an hour ago. <laughs> Somehow we lost sight of that. <laughs> All right, pressing forward now to call, call to Armus. Wait. Hey you guys. I heard so, you called. Nope, that, that, that wasn't you. Sorry. I was my, calling arms. I'll see Arm, myself man, man at out. arms. 
Freaking or of, or many faces. <laughs> many faces. Ah, call to arms. It's here. After five years of cock teasing, the promised moment has finally arrived. The time has come to face to say fair's fair. To pay the rent. How can we dance when our beds are burning? This is my roundabout way of saying the war is finally happening, and I'm so sorry I promised this amazing stuff a bit earlier than it actually happened, but it's here now, and oh my god. Mm-hmm. So the Dominion have been sending big old convoys of ships through the wormhole once a week for the past five weeks, and Cisco's had enough. He needs a solution that'll keep them out of the Alpha Quadrant, so he assembles a crack team of his best guys. Dax, who can handle the theoretical science and calculations. O'Brien, who can take on the massive engineering challenge involved in making those hypotheticals a reality. And Rom, who, no, I can't believe this either, actually comes up with one of the coolest things I've ever seen in Star Trek. Cloaked, self-replicating minds. This, of course, will take double the amount of time we actually have to get it in place, because, seriously, the Dominion-Cardassian Alliance is tired of fucking around, and they're coming to fuck your shit up now. Like, right the fuck now. Fortunately, the mines are activated in time, and Sisko returns the station to the condition he found it in, which you will recall is awful, <laughs> and hightails it out of there. And Golducott takes his rightful place in that crummy little office he's been itching to take back for the past five years. No, seriously, the Starfleet guys totally bailed. The only familiar characters who remain are Quark and Rom, Odo, Kira, and Jake, who decides that as a reporter, he's which he's totally been for hours now, <laughs> he should be where the action is. And that's where we leave it, with the Defiant and Martok's Bird of Prey joining a massive fleet as the war begins. Oh, also, Bajor signs a non-aggression pact with Dominion, Garrick leaves with the Starfleet guys, Odo and Kira agree to set aside the awkwardness that resulted from the aftermath of Children of Time, Rom and Lita get married, and Dax and Worf commit to doing the same once the station is retaken. See you next season. You guys are so lucky that you only have to wait two weeks to get to the rest of this. Oh or indeed, God. watch it right now if you fucking want to. Yeah, those of you watching along for the first time, I, we completely understand if you want to just skip ahead. I, I will say, and I'll save more for the spoiler section, don't expect everything to be wrapped up in that first part back. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here, and it's going to take more than 45 minutes to wrap it all up. Yeah. That's that's all I'm going to say. So, where even to start with this fucking episode? Oh my god. Every like every scene is just pitch perfect. Like every scene. It's such like this is everything I love about DS9. It's that wonderful Ron Moore march to war thing, you know. It wasn't actually him. It was Wolf and Bear this time. That's the thing, you know? Yeah. Like this episode could not feel more Battlestar Galactica. Yep. Good Battlestar Galactica, which is what I love the most about DS9. Well, DS9 did this great thing, especially in season finales or just before, like, the, the usually, like, the penultimate episode. Like, that, that tension before the big thing's about to happen. Mm. That's one of the best things they do. Like, the payoff's usually worth it, but the just before is always great, yeah. too. And you get all these awesome speeches and crap, and, like, it's just, yep. everything feels so big. Yep. And bigger than Star Trek has ever been to this point. Oh, yeah. We've never seen a proper war. Like, yeah, the Federation was sort of at war with the Klingons in the original series, but that only, ha like, came up occasionally. No, that that only really happened when they the Enterprise would sort of cross paths with them, you know? Like, this is a legitimate war. Yeah. You know? Well, we were there when we met these guys. Yeah. We were there, we watched the tensions escalate, and now we're here for the payoff. So mm -hmm. we have more invested in this, too. It's not like, oh, by the way, now we're at war. Yeah. Like, we've seen it happen from minute one, so it's, it's you know, it's way more rewarding, I think. Mm -hmm. But oh. yeah, it's it's that it's that gradual building tension. It's that great characters are about to split up and may not see each other again, so they have really sort of passionate scenes together. Mm -hmm. And just so much going on. There's 
I think they cover everybody. Oh yeah. Like I think everybody's accounted for. No one does not appear in this episode. Right. But like, I mean, I guess Bashir and O'Brien are just kind of, they're doing their jobs. Right. But I mean, we still get like, you know, stuff with them. We get to see O'Brien getting ready for shit and Bashir getting ready for the onslaught of casualties that will be arriving soon when people start exploding as Jemadar's ships fucking blow massive chunks out of the station. Which is the job of, like, the only thing he has in common with every other Star Trek doctor is, oh, we're going to start killing? Well, I guess I'll get ready for the casualties. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure Bones and Beverly and and probably even Pulaski have all had that exact line before. Mm -hmm. I'll go get sick bear ready for the casualties. Yeah. No, there's actually this great scene where him and Jake's helping him out in uh, sick bay, getting, yep. uh, you know, t- making sure everyone has a fully equipped med m- kit. Yeah, like a survival pack. Yeah. You know those little boxes with uh, with plus signs on them? Yeah, he's he's got to, like, uh, you know, make sure they're strewn about the station so that people can pick them up when they need them. Yeah, exactly. But, and then uh, Jake's like, okay, so what do we do now? And Bashir's like, well, now we wait for people who are badly injured to start showing up. Yeah. You're not going to puss out and run away this time, are you? (laughs) I might. I'm real scared. Yeah. Actually, that brings me to uh, my good thing. All right. Of all the good stuff in this one, you know, it took me a while to sort of... Oh, there's so many. Yeah. But I fucking love the idea of uh, Jake just deciding to stay on the station. Um, it's it's a horrible decision in like like in story logic. It's a terrible terrible idea. It's great writing. Uh huh. But it's like, oh my god, what are you doing? Well, we open we open the episode with Jake finally getting a job, mm-hmm. which probably for the best because if you watch uh, if you watch uh, the last episode, you're gonna see what happens when uh, Jake has a little too much free time on his hand. He starts uh, yelling at the Kai. Yep. So, yeah, Jake's got a job now. He's doing, he's working for uh, whatever the official Starfleet uh, newspaper is, mm-hmm. such as it is. And uh, they're basically giving him a shot at uh, putting in stories because he's literally right next to the wormhole where all the big stuff is happening. It's so, interesting to me that he works for Starfleet, like mm-hmm. not the Federation, but actual Starfleet. Yeah. And they're cool with him just like getting information from his dad. Mm-hmm. Like that's that surprises me. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, I guess it's supposed to be like whatever the Starfleet version of uh, I think it was called Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. It was the old uh, World War Two military. Yeah, but there was, that was that was clearly in the business of propaganda. Well, yeah, I don't that's think the, the Starfleet thing. one probably is. No, I don't. The star propaganda doesn't really seem like a thing Starfleet would be into. What with them being all about the truth, right? So I I just find it interesting, but especially with the reveal mm-hmm. that he's basically using his position as the the captain's son to get exclusive quotes that he was not aware was supposed to be off the record. Yeah. Or that he wasn't aware were on the record. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, Dad, you said that to me over dinner. Now I'm going to print it. Yeah. No, there's a great what? scene right at the beginning um, where Jake comes by for dinner and uh, Cisco's like, oh, by the way, I was reading the newspaper or whatever it is we have in the future. Uh, you want to read that to me? Oh, yeah. Uh, war, Tensions uh, escalate. Tensions escalate for uh, around Wormhole. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Keep reading. Uh, station, uh, <laughs> station... Commander says the things such look such. pretty bad. Uh-huh. You want to read me the byline? Jake Sisko. Hmm. Sounds Please, like Dad. someone I know! Now, 
I know that's not a very common name because occasionally I Google myself and you <laughs> and uh, pretty sure you're the only Jake Sisko in this station. Mm-hmm. Look at yeah. that, uh, Jacob Jennifer Sisko. Yeah, we've decided that's his given name. I, I really like that, actually. Jacob Jennifer Sisko. Yep. Hmm. Not too many of those, are there? That could be any Jacob Jennifer Sisko. Dad, the Alpha Quadrant is just huge. There are trillions of people. It's, it's a very truly... common name, Dad. It's actually yeah. not! Nope. In Trust fact... me, I, I picked it. I put the research in. In fact, your grandfather was the only Cisco on Earth now. <laughs> uh. All the others died in the Great Thong Wars. <laughs> but, um... No, I, I love I love this, this uh, choice for Jake. Uh, it gets him back... Like, it, it gives him a reason to be in the show. Well, it's, 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 there's two good reasons for it. One, yes, it keeps him involved in the plot in a way that isn't just, like, it, we say this about women characters a lot, but it's true of kid characters, of, of anybody, really. Your, your primary definition as a character should not be your relationship to someone else. No. You should not be, like, Dax should not be Worf's girlfriend. No. She should be Dax, who does a bunch of cool stuff and is also Worf's girlfriend, and that's what she is. Mm-hmm. And Jake should be a character unto himself and not just Cisco's son. No, and it's one of the it's one of the problems with Jake, and I think it's one of the reasons why Cyril often does not appear in so many episodes, is because what can he do? Well, I think that's part of it, but I think part of it is with, that he was in school. Like you get that with a lot of child actors. But... Oh no, totally. I it's just like Wesley was always on uh, TNG because he was kept like as much <laughs> as annoying as he could sometimes be. Mm-hmm. He was always kept. On the show. Right. You know, like, he he always had something to do. And when you have a character who's not in Starfleet, who's not really interested in Starfleet, on a show about Starfleet, you know, yeah, it kind of means he doesn't have anything to actually do with the plot. Yeah, and so this gives him a way to stay involved. Yeah, suddenly he's become, you know, he's he's the war reporter. Well, yeah, and we won't spoil what happens. I will say... The, the Starfleet guys are gone. Mm-hmm. When we pick up at the beginning of next season, they're still gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say how or if that gets resolved. But for a little while, he's our only tie to, to Earth to, you know. Yeah. Because we still have Kira, who's who's got, like, all the Bajor stuff on her mind. And we got Quark, who's worried about himself. But Jake's really the only sort of, like, Federation perspective guy we have left. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important narratively, I think. Yeah. And so, but, so yeah, between giving him an, an important role and also just establishing that the character is now a man mm-hmm. and is it's very important to him to to assert his independence. Like, that's the other major thing, I think. Yeah. Is I'm, I'm not my dad. I'm my own guy. I'm going to do this thing. And also there's a bit of naivety there, which I really like. Oh, totally. That is such a 19-year-old kid's uh, decision. I'm a reporter, and I know, like, who's it, like, I think Hemingway. Yep. And, like, guys like that who, like, during the war just, like, went off and did crazy shit. And yep. just, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write about this, because I'm, you know, I'm I'm young and invincible, and it's probably gonna be horrible. Mm-hmm. He's already kind of learned that lesson, but I feel like he hasn't learned it enough yet. No. So, yeah, it's it's good on a, on a couple of levels, I think. So um, fucking cool. But again... From from the standpoint of I sympathize mostly with Cisco because he's the main character, it's like you pinch the bridge of your nose and like, oh, what are you doing, yeah. kid? No, and see, there's a we cut to Cisco on the uh, Defiant, yeah, racing away so he doesn't die. Yep, 
and he knows I'm I'm in this position. I can't risk everyone to go get my son. I would desperately have loved there to be a scene where uh, uh, Nog's on the bridge and Cisco sort of turns and is like, "So you made sure Jake got on the ship, okay?" Ah, yeah. about that, Captain. I'm glad they didn't do that though, because you know it's not Nog's fault. And, well, Jay, and and Cisco makes a point of saying, "Well, he's a man. He's, yeah. he's his own man now." Like I hate it, but he did make that decision as a as a independent adult. Yep. Well, O'Brien's like, so do we go back for him? Yeah. It's like, of some... course we don't fucking go back for him. Some guys would do that, though. I know. Some guys in Star Trek. If Kirk left Spock behind, oh yeah, it wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Um. But no, it is it is a great thing for his character. Absolutely, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, my good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you are listening to this now and you are not sitting down, you may wish to sit down. If you, would, it may be time to take a uh, drink so that you could be prepared for a spit take. If you are driving a vehicle, I would advise maybe pulling to the side of the road because this this may shock you into uh, damaging your vehicle and and possibly endangering you and others. Start. Uh, Post Tomacor is not responsible for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Any lives lost after the reveal of this next sentence? Uh, my good thing is Rom. <laughs> yep. uh, seriously, first of all, uh, superficially, he dropped the stupid voice. He did. He doesn't. He doesn't lower his voice anymore, which helps a lot. That just that immediately helps a lot. Mm. He has a number of good scenes when he gets married uh, with. Um, like there's a few other bits. I'm I'm building to my main thing. The scene few... with oh uh... the scene with Quark. Oh yeah, that's a good one. The scene with Quark where he's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm not leaving. I'm working for the Federation. And Quark's like, well, you're stupid, but you're my brother. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot of good stuff. But the main thing is, like I said in my summary, he came up with this fucking awesome idea about cloaked self-replicating minds. Yep. And they've done enough establishing that he's sort of this weird, like not quite savant, but definitely thinks. Like, I think approaches engineering stuff a little differently. Yeah. That he would come up with this idea, whereas Dax and O'Brien might not think of that. Because he's kind of, his his thinking's a little off. Yeah. And I like that. And the way that scene is written, and, and the way it's played, I'll give credit there, is he has his mind on his wedding, his forthcoming wedding, and this problem at the same time. And they play it for laughs, but really, it's that cool sort of scatterbrained engineer type that's like, like, uh, oh, God, where are we going to live? Oh, yeah, here's the perfect solution mm-hmm. to that. But where are we going to live? <laughs> and it's it's played really well. And I just, he was like, if we keep this ROM, I no longer dislike him. No, this would be this would be his Counselor Troy moment. Yeah. And, you know, good. Yeah. Good on him. Like, it's not just he had one moment. This whole episode. No, he's like really a- great in this. I really like... Uh, I really like the scene at the beginning where he uh, wants, where he asks Cisco to uh, officiate the wedding. There is such a perfect moment. It's so subtle. It's one of those great subtle Avery Brooks things, where he and O'Brien are walking to an important meeting or whatever, and Rom like runs up and Captain, Captain, do you have a minute? And and Cisco like just for an instant gets this flinch, mm-hmm. like oh he saw me, and it's just perfect. <laughs> And, and, you know, if you blink, you miss it. It's yeah, so just, it's so oh. subtle. But it's per- like, oh, man, I was really hoping he would just God, not here, see me. Here we go. Yeah. But it's but actually, it's, a, it's really sweet. It is. It's, I want to get married. You're not only the captain, which is reason enough, but also the emissary. Mm-hmm. 
which is extra reason enough. <laughs> it is like, you're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a great bit. He's, yeah. he's good, but, and, and that's what I was saying. Like everybody has something to do in this. Like you get a little more with Garrick and Zial, you get more with like, um, Quark. You get <laughs> others like, are also others, doing yeah. things. No, I'm just trying to run through. There's so much going on. Yeah. There's the Dax Wharf thing or like, uh, she's like, uh, we, we may never see each other again, but if we do, the answer is yes. Yes to what? Uh, yes, I'll marry you. What? Oh, <laughs> it, it, wait. Wait, what? Yeah. Like, he's really angry and defensive, and then he realizes what she's talking about. And he, oh, shit. Uh, sorry. Yes. Oh, great. Good. I get the feeling he is uh, expecting her to trick her way into uh, staying on the station again or something. Right. Oh, no, I'm staying with you. Son of a bitch, Jedzia. <laughs> uh, oh, on, on the wrong thing. Actually, the, my bad thing is not exactly him, because that wouldn't be fair to give him my good thing and then to also say accept. But there oh, is yeah. a line they give him... Um, much like in the previous episode, my my bad thing was they twisted everything really far to to do a terrible line from a movie. They did it again here, where he gives uh, Lita the speech. You know, you better get on that plane, or you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. You know that mm. that speech. Classic movie night strikes again at uh, Deep Space Nine. That that's got to be it. Or the last thing Chief O'Brien said to him was Casablanca is a good movie. <laughs> hey, before uh, Ron, before you go, remember we're doing uh, we're doing uh, Humphrey Bogart movies at uh, our film studies class this week. So make sure you watch Casablanca. You got it, Chief. Yep, brother. But, I mean, honestly, I had a really hard time coming up with a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I very nearly said, you know what, I'll give myself one this whole series. I don't have one. But that happened, so there's that. You actually copped out. I certainly did. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, final shot of the fleet of Starfleet and Klingon ships didn't just keep going. And keep going. Yeah. And keep going. How impressive was that? Oh, like, okay, first of all, previously we have the, the Dominion ships and the combined Dominion Cardassian fleet attacking the station. Oh, yeah, and that's that's cool enough. To that point, we had never seen that many ships together at once. There's no. probably 50 of them. But like, then at the end... Like, this is movie-looking yeah. stuff happening, you know? It absolutely is. Um, but then at the end, we see Starfleet. Starfleet. Yeah. Like, all the ships. For the first time, we see, like... Probably a hundred, and there's some Klingon ships in there, too. Yeah, there's Galaxy-class ones, Excelsiors. Yeah, there's... Uh, although, oddly, this this is very strange, and I wish we had a Blu-ray of this so I could really see it in detail. Mm -hmm. But I didn't I didn't spot any uh, whatever the class Voyager is, and I didn't spot any whatever class the Enterprise-E is. Yeah. Which are two models, like, big detailed models they have. It's weird they wouldn't use either of those. I know what either of those classes ships is. Uh, the Enterprise E is a sovereign class. I don't remember what the Voyager is off the top of my head. I was talking to Flonk about this yesterday, mm. but I, I can't remember. But I know Voyager was supposed to be, if not a prototype, at least an early version of that. But yeah. there should at least be one more. Mm -hmm. We see other Defiant ships. Did we? Like there's, yeah, there's a couple of other like Defiant class. I don't know if they're a Defiant class, but the Defiant type ships yeah. in that fleet. Oh, cool. So I mean, those those were that was a prototype, and now there's more of those. Mm. So I, you know, you would think there'd be at least one more Voyager. It just it feels like a waste. Yeah, it feels like they must have really nice shots of a big model that's designed for a whole show. Why not use it? You would think, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, and they're not beyond cross promotion because a Voyager episode has some Defiant type ships in it. Yeah, and they're also not beyond using like clips from the movies. Yeah, you know, which is fine. 
Like I don't I don't mind that at all. No, that's never a, bothered me. It's it's uh, a shared universe, and you're going to see the same stuff. Yeah. It just it really surprises me that they didn't use the two big ships that they have for other projects mm. for this. But that said, they still have a huge amount of Starfleet ships, and it's just gorgeous. Ugh. And apparently, this is I don't remember if it's one of the last times or the last time that they use practical models. From this point forward, they're going to start using CG mm. because CG wasn't really up to the standards of making believable ships to this point. Right. And by next season, it will. So a lot of the big battle stuff that's coming is going to be, you know, computer anime, which is cool. Oh, so yeah, I fucking God damn that last scene there. There's apparently it, it's actually too long for the, uh, for the guys making the show though. <laughs> what, what they initially wanted was the defiant and the, uh, uh, uh Martok's bird of prey, like haul ass away from, the fight and join the fleet that's yeah. supposed to be the scene and what they got was more than they asked for which is usually a great thing but what they got was them then making a u-turn and facing the same direction as the fleet as though they were all advancing for something yeah uh-huh. and it's like we didn't want to necessarily imply that they're on their way to take the station back yet we just wanted to imply that they're going home yeah and now you've kind of set it up where we feel like there's some action happening it's like well you know, not exactly what we meant. So much for next week's script. Yeah. Um, or next season's script, I should say. Yeah. God damn. Um, what else? Oh, God. Okay, what else? Ha- what haven't we covered yet? Um, oh, uh, so we got to Ducat retaking the station. Which appears to be his primary motive. Like, all this I other, love... Like... Go ahead. I love that. That's such a Ducat thing. It's just, I don't care... What we have to do. I don't care about the minefield that's around the wormhole now, so we can't get any uh, reinforcements. Yeah, I don't care that we're technically not allowed to retake Bajor right now. No. What is happening today is I finally, finally got this fucking space station back. Yeah, I don't care that the Federation blew it to pieces and nothing works anymore. I don't give a shit. I, As far as I'm concerned, I won. That's all it means to him is is this is a prize, this is a symbolic victory to show that Gul Dukat cannot be beaten. Yeah. And that's it. It's like it's like when you risk a hundred lives to save a flag. Yeah. Like it's not at some point it stops meaning what it what it meant. Yeah. You know, like, it's like but it doesn't matter to him. No. And that's such a Ducat attitude, you know? Yep. Just it, it was all whatever happened, however many people died, it doesn't matter. It was all worth it if I get this shitty, broken-down piece of crap space station back. And one of my all-time favorite moments of all of Star Trek ever Mm -hmm. is that last bit. I'm going to use this for a cover art. This has been the cover art for this episode since I knew we were going to be doing DS9. Is He he sits down in the chair, and uh, Cisco took everything of value. Not everything. He picks up the baseball and looks at it. Says, it's a message. It means he's coming back. Yeah. And it's just so oh so good, and and before you can even recover from that, then we cover, then we cut to that bit you were talking about with the with the fleet. Yeah, just perfect. Oh, so good. Yep. This is why. This is why Deep Space Nine is the best one. And the thing is, we never lose the characters in all this. Nope. All this plot, all this like stuff exploding, doesn't like we don't lose the characters in that. No, there's actually some incredible character stuff in this. This speech, uh, Cisco said. Oh, God. Uh, makes before he leaves. Yep. About like how yeah we have to go like we're leaving now but this is where I'm supposed to be and there's no way I'm leaving you people behind. Yeah. No, I I will it's, come back to this amazing. place that I belong. Yep. And you realize like 
how far he's come in five years. Like, he, he belongs here? Yeah. Like, we know that. We've watched it happen. It feels natural. But if you think about that in the context of the pilot, mm-hmm. he he did not want to be there at all. No. And now it's like, this is my home and I'm going to take it. This sucks, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. Yeah. It's so good. Ugh. Yep. And it, it pays off all that... Um, all that prophecy stuff, all that stuff that happened in, um, fuck, what was the episode? Was it Rapture? Uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, or... just going back to, uh, Cisco saying, like, uh, it's not Bejor time for Bejor, it's not time for Bejor to, uh. Yeah, Bejor must stand alone is what he said. Yeah. And everyone's like, why? And the whole strategic thing is, if Bejor stands, if, the, if Bejor had joined the Federation in that episode a year ago or whatever, mm. then... The Dominion just would have, like, destroyed the... Like, okay, first casualty. Yeah, boom. Like, you're just done. fucking so long, Bajor. Yeah, because this is... We're, we're nearby. We're yeah. in Cardassia, which is close to Bajor. We know that. Mm-hmm. And this is super strategic because the wormhole's right there. Yeah, no. So, so ba- Bajor is gone. Yeah, but if they sign a non-aggression treaty and don't ally themselves with the Federation, that means they're basically allies. Yeah. They're not fighting, but they're... Well, look, we signed a piece of paper. We're friends. You gotta not... You know, you mm. gotta not attack us. And no, and like, there's a, there's a scene in the episode where uh, uh, Ducat's like, "All right, we're gonna take back uh, Terak Nor, and then oh, Bajor's no, and then, in... and then and then um, uh, 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 Damar yeah says yes, and Bajor's next. And uh, fucking Wayun's there, and he speaks up. Is like, uh, no, yeah, we just signed a treaty with them, and you will honor our treaty. <laughs> I didn't sign a treaty. <laughs> That's what he says. Yep, I didn't sign anything. Yep. Fucking, yep. Again, Ducat, just like, oh, yeah. So perfect. Like, after, he says, like, as the Dominion steps, so Cardassia will follow. And unspoken is, and I will fucking kill these guys. I don't care what you say. Yep. And he, he and Damar share a look. Yep. We talked about Damar briefly. He's just been a background guy. He's about to step, like, he's he's Ducat's number two. Yeah. And going into season six, we'll, we'll see a lot more of him. So that's why we're talking about him now. He hasn't been much yet. But he is going to be. You, a more you will. Guy, so. You will uh, start. To, you will start to recognize him as right. uh, he becomes sort of a major, uh, yet another major player on Deep Space Nine. A, a major player. Up to about 80, uh, 80 yep. cast members on this show now. And that's what I was saying. This episode still manages to cover all of them. Yep. Like everybody gets a, a moment. Everybody, you know, gets to weigh in and see what they're doing. And everybody you know, gets to weigh in on what they're doing. Yep. I can play that game too. I know you can. <laughs> yeah, it's so so good. Like this is this is basically flawless. Yeah, so great. Uh, anything else? Probably. <laughs> um, let's see. I like uh, when uh, fucking Kira comes. Just as everyone's about to leave, Kira pops up and she's like, "All right, this is Major Kira Narice, uh or yeah, this is Major Kira Narice officially." Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, on, on behalf of the Bajoran militia, we must wait. protest that you are abandoning the station. Yeah. There. There, now that that's out of the way, let's get to fucking work. Yeah, now uh, point me towards something that needs to be done, Captain. Yeah. I, you know, I want to help. I love it, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's so great. Fucking Kira. There's some good, um, there's some good visual stuff, too, particularly toward the end. There's a bit where... Uh, Wayun and then like the Cardassians and the Jem'Hadar are sort of marching in and they meet the group that is Odo and Kira and, and uh, Quark. Uh, Quark yeah and it's I don't know if they intended it this way or not but the way it's composed it's like 
all the gray scaly guys are on one side and all the sort of orangey fleshy like you know like the softer colors that, that's true i never noticed that it's just it's a nice contrast of like colorful versus gray yeah it's like clearly good evil like it's it's yep. really good in case you were wondering yeah are the cardassians evil maybe uh, <laughs> who can say <laughs> Anyway, this this could be a five-hour show if we let it, so we should probably start wrapping yeah. things up here. Uh, my quote is uh, Garrick uh, commenting on... Uh, maybe he should have done a little more to stop this in, in the past. When the Klingons attacked the station, Guldekat and I were fighting side by side. At one point, he turned his back to me, and I must admit that for a moment, he made a very tempting target. You'd shoot a man in the back. Well, it's the safest way, isn't it? But then I thought, well, no, I can't fight all these Klingons by myself. So I let him live. And now you regret it. Ah, my dear constable. Before this day is over, everyone on this station is going to regret it. Which is just just fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, anything else? Um, oh, just on the topic of Garrick. Mm -hmm. We have him uh, saying goodbye to Zial. Mm -hmm. uh, who kisses him on the face. Mm -hmm. um, now, you took this one way, and I took this another way. Well, you want to read something into it, and so you're looking for things. Yes. There's a look Garrick gives after he's finished kissing Zial, which to me appears to be, Oh God, what is happening? Why are you putting your lips on me? <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't take it that way. <laughs> but I, I understand that, you know, you want to see that. Look. In much the same way that Q is in love with Captain Picard, Garrick is a gay person. Listen, I... Who does I, not want to kiss the owl. I understand that, but I think he's bisexual. That's fine, too. I do not deny that there is definitely some gay undertones to a lot of the things he says and does. Mm -hmm. And while we have no direct evidence of him and Bashir being together, it's fairly clear there's something there. Yeah. And that, if nothing else, if they never dated, never fooled around, whatever, he's clearly in love with Bashir, or was at one point. Yes. I will, I will grant you that. The actor has said that's how he played it. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know. But I also think that, like, I, I, I appreciate, you know, shipping and that sort of thing. I, I, you know, you can read whatever you want into a show. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you got to remember all that's actually there is what the writers put there. That is true. Your, and if we your fan theories, as much as you want them, are not true. Look, uh, th this is for up to now. Now, if anything happens, you know, that sort of explicitly says it. Yes. I will, you know, I will accept that. Okay. Or try and no prize it away. Fair enough. We will play that game as we continue on. Yes, we will. No, there, they, th that scene was for an important reason, which I can't talk about here, but, uh, but we will talk about in a minute when we get to the spoiler bit. Yes. Uh, but that is all. That is it for Season 5. That's all for us, because uh, next week we're doing a supplemental, and then we'll be jumping into Season 6. Yep. So you have a couple more days to send us emails, postatomichorror at gmail. Um, we will gladly answer any of your questions. Uh, and, yeah. So And the website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. Yep. Um, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Oh, yeah, there's also that thing. Mm -hmm. So... We will be back uh, next week with the supplementals. So until then, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.
Okay, so spoilers. Yeah. First of all, just because it's on my mind, because it's the last thing we were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, the ZL thing is clearly to set up because she's going to die soon. Oh, yeah. And we need to show uh, not not just her connection to Gul Dukat, but her connection to, you know, like if they couldn't do a scene with her and Kira, the next best thing is to do a scene with her and, and Garrick. Yeah. To show when she dies, just it's going to affect this guy. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's why they did that. Now, I just, I genuinely don't remember what the, like, what their relationship sort of turns into. It doesn't turn into anything. He's never going to see her again. Oh, all right. She's going to die. She dies that back. quickly? It's at the end of, I don't remember if it's six or eight episodes, but it's that whole progression of episodes, like, going into season six. Wow. Okay. Like, I think it's six episodes. I think we get six episodes before they take the station back. And she dies at the end of that whole arc. Damn. All right. Like, just as the Cardassians are fleeing... Uh, I, is it Damar that shoots her? I don't remember. But she dies I in think the, it was... She dies in the fight where the Federation takes back the station. Yeah. So, Garrick, she she may have one last scene with him where she dies in his arms or whatever, mm -hmm. but that's it. If that. And I don't even think they get that. All right. Well, we'll we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. I just, they're, they're, we're not going to see any more of their relationship is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. All right. Um, so yeah, the, the, uh, the next, the next season picks up and the first episode ends and they haven't taken the station back yet. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the next episode and they still haven't. And you wait a minute, what's going on here? Hang on a second. We are finally heading into that whole like promised land of, of serialized stuff. Yep. Where each episode continues on to the next one. And it's just amazing. Oh, so we got that to look forward to. Um, and that's really all the spoiler stuff I had. I, just, I think nothing... so, yeah. I can't think of anything offhand. Yeah. Um, just the, what do you call it? There's the Jake and Nog stuff from, uh, what is it? I keep wanting to call it House of Cards, and that is the Kevin Spacey show that has nothing yes, to is. do with uh, Deep Space Nine, as far no, as I know. it doesn't. No, in the cards. Yes. We have, uh, <clears throat> we're going to go into Jake and the war. Oh, yeah. And Nog, Jake's going to be a war reporter. And, and Nog's, Nog's going to get a leg exploded. Never thought I'd miss a leg so much. <laughs> Yep. I'm a monster. <laughs> he does kind of get like that. Yeah, a little bit. But which yeah, means they're... we're getting dangerously close to uh, oh god, what's... Vic Fontaine. Vic Fontaine Fontaine showing up. Yep. Who will be awesome for maybe two episodes? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we get Mirror Vic Fontaine for some reason. Oh my god. Why not? Yeah. But let, let, let's not spoil it. This is the very best Star Trek we're ever gonna see. Yeah. Like ever. So you know. Enjoy it while we got it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I had anything else. All right. So we'll be back in a week. All right. See you again, folks. <laughs>